Hey, welcome back to Business Acceleration Playbook. In this episode, we're going to discuss how to create a growth plan for your business, a comprehensive growth plan. Man, that can help you identify opportunities for growth, set realistic goals, stay focused on achieving those goals. But before you can actually create a growth plan, you need to know where you're at. What's your current situation? Exactly. That is huge. And I think that is a common mistake that a lot of small business owners make is they see again this opportunity right they're like oh my gosh this is it right this is something that you know i can totally do but they're not looking at the fact that they are like drowning they have like one half of a nostril up because they're so covered up right now that right. adding one more thing it's the exact same thing we just talked about in the last episode about yeah. the opportunity the squirrel thing and we're going like oh there's a squirrel oh there's a squirrel you know like and you know so they're like they don't realize that they're in the middle of a desperate fight for survival and yet, hey, we're going to talk about growth plans. And it's like, no, dude, you got to kind of fix what's going on right here, right now. We got to get that fixed. Well, and, and one of the things is maybe that opportunity is a good pivot, right? Because we talked about that in episode two, right? When you should pivot pivot and adjust, right? So I think that's something to think about. It may be something that it's like, okay, well, I'm drowning. Again, the, the one nostril above the water type of thing. But this would be something that would be a good pivot to be able to get you out of that struggle. But yeah. I think that's why it's important to, number one, like Tim said, assess what's the current situation and, yeah. and why is that happening? Yeah. And I, then uh, we also talked a little bit last episode about conducting a SWOT analysis or some other type of a tool that helps you kind of analyze any roadblocks and challenges that's kind of hindering, you know, your growth or whatever's going on. Yeah, before, and I, I truly, truly believe this, hands down, and anytime I step into a situation, the very, very first thing is either A, we need to do a discovery of what's going on, yeah, or B, we need to analyze of what's going on. And they're basically the same thing. We just use different words depending on who we're talking with or what's going on. It's just you have got to know what the problems are, what the challenges are in order to be able to say, okay, here's exactly how we're going to plan to either solve the issues solve where we're at or be able to have any kind of futuristic planning, whether that's the goals or whatever that ends up being, we've got to know where we are in order to be able to get to where we're going. I'm glad you mentioned the terms discovery and analysis, because I want to kind of talk about that just from how I take them. I'm not saying that this is like the you know, Webster dictionary definition. So don't come at me. But from Maria's definition, a discovery call, I feel like it's more like high level, like bullet points, like this looks like this is what's going on. And if I'm telling somebody I'm doing a discovery call, that's what, what it is, right? This looks like this is kind of some common situations. This looks like this may be, you know, a solution. If I'm doing an analysis, that's in depth. I'm going to be digging, right? I'm going to be looking in depth at what is going on. So for me, that's kind of how I differentiate the two. Is that how you differentiate? Yeah, or is it I would say, and I, I love using illustrations because this is what it is. It's a discovery is the perceived problem. The analysis, the analysis is the actual problem. Yeah. And so often we look at a tree and we say, Hey, that's a, they got some bad fruit on it. And so that means that there's something going on with the fruit. The reality is it could be something that's in the soil that's actually feeding the fruit that's causing the bad fruit. And in order to be able to understand the depth of it, it has, there has to be some analytics that are going on and there has to be some analysis that happens to find out the real problem. Otherwise, the discovery aspect of it just starts with 
kind of like I great example here. And we and we talked about the ability to be able to have and this is part of the growth plan is you have to have the ability to talk about issues without a negative consequence. So in other words, a CEO steps into the office and says, hey, I think that this is what the problem is. And everybody else in that same meeting has to be able to say, okay, well, actually, I think it's this problem because of this situation without a negative consequence of the CEO saying, oh, you're a quack. Why don't you just go in another meeting? You have to be able to have the freedom, the transparency and the authenticity to be able to identify the issues that are going on in order to be able to create a growth plan. Absolutely. And I think it's critical to have these type of team meetings, because if you end up with these siloed meetings where only people that are getting all the information to be able to help make these decisions are, you know, kind of on one quote unquote level, you're going to be missing a lot of things because, you know, people that let's let's use a factory, for example, people that are in administration is going to see, you know, what's going on from one perspective and the people that are on the floor are going to be seeing it from another perspective. It's not that one's right or wrong, right? They're just two different perspectives. So where you catch any issues that may be on or any potential for, you know, cutting cost or, you know, growth and revenue is if you get these people together to be able to get, you know, what's going on from their perspective. That is huge. That's key. And that comes right into what you said, Tim, with the ability to talk about it, right? Well, and that's a knowledge. It's a knowledge. Knowledge is power. And if you've got somebody that's actually controlling all of the knowledge and using themselves as a funnel, that means that they are literally manipulating what it is that you get to hear or what is. And especially as consultants, this is one of the things that we have to look at when we are approached by a CEO or by an organization to create a growth plan is who is controlling the knowledge. Is there a free flow of knowledge that's going on or is somebody manipulating the information and controlling that communication channel via the knowledge. Well, and I do want to kind of disclaimer here that when you're saying manipulating, I don't think it is always a setting out like, you know, the horns are popping through the hair and they're like, uh, you know, I think most of the time it's accidental. I think most of the time this information gets kept high level um, because of, you know, embarrassment on maybe how things really are behind the scenes or like trust issues or something. Cause that's been a common thread in most of the situations that I've been in as a consultant. It wasn't on, they didn't even realize this wasn't a thing that was going on until I pointed it out. And then it was like a a hot moment. Right. So I think most of the time, yes, even though it is technically manipulating, I don't think it's purposeful manipulation. I think it is accidental, you know, keeping of all the pertinent information because Honestly, they're not sure who they can trust with it or what to even do. And I think that, if, especially if you're like a, a business owner or a CEO or somebody that's high up in leadership, I think sometimes you think that you're supposed to have all the answers all the time and you can't show any signs of weakness at all or you're yeah. not going to look fit, which is not true, right? It's not true at all. You need a team because you should be able to say, you know what? I need somebody to help with this area because this is an area of weakness. And I know in episode one, we talked a little bit about, you know, leadership and, you know, how, you know, personal development and all those those things are super important just in, you know, being able to manage a business, whether it's to scale up or just, you know, stay as you are, that it's so important and that being able to put into our own personal growth is not weakness, right? So showing that you need help in a certain area or that you're not really sure what to do in a certain area is not, you know, a bad thing. 
being able to no, ask. Well, that's, the, that's the point of the ability to talk about issues without a negative consequence, right? So that's where you create a culture that allows people to say, hey, and we even talked about this off air about the fact that sometimes people feel like they're way overwhelmed, but they just have to accept another uh, responsibility, which then adds more weight, which means they end up and they feel like, well, I'm, I'm just pulling it for the team. I'm just, but yet they are so overwhelmed that they're going to break down at some point in time. And so as we develop and tying this all together, as we develop a growth plan, as we look at being able to develop it, if we're not considering, first of all, the current situation, second of all, the opinions and perspectives of others and allowing the free flow of knowledge, then we cannot have an effective growth plan that's really going to allow us to set those realistic goals. And then, frankly, the achievement of a goal is just consistent action. So if we don't, if we cannot create a consistent accountable action, then we weren't ever going to be able to have a growth plan that's going to be in the place. Absolutely. And one of the probably the most common tools that's used for setting your small your goals is like smart goals, right? Yeah. And setting smart goals is basically um, taking those words out means specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. I had to read that because I couldn't remember. But these goals. <laughs> That's the problem with smart goals is we never I, remember what they all mean. <laughs> no, I cannot. I remember usually like two at a time and they're never the same two. So I had to read them, but that's fine. But yeah. seriously, though, if you think about it, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time bound. You know, those are essential, right? They're essential for creating any type of a growth plan or even a maintenance plan. You know, I think, you know, it's it's just as important to think about maintaining where you're at if you're in a good place, right? Now, if you're in a crap yeah. place, you don't want to maintain that. But if you're in a good place, you know, you want to maintain that. But, you know, I think that that's probably one of the most common tools that I hear, you know, as far as goal setting. And I think, you know, the key is there is how to align these goals with your overall vision and mission. Right? So let's, right. let's pause on that section right there. Cause I think this is really important and it's a key element to be able to set a growth plan. It is a way to work backwards. So in other words, when we look at our vision, we look at what it is that you want to accomplish, basically depending on what framework you use, it'll either be their 10 or 15 year plan. Once you look at that and say, this is where we want to end up, then you back that down. So let's say it's a 10-year plan. Then you back it down to a five-year. Where do you want to end up in five years? Then you back that down to a three-year plan. And then from a three-year plan, you back that down into what we would consider, if you want to use, totally up to you, if you want to use one-year kind of a plan. Some people like to use a three-month per quarter, but this is where your framework is going to be dependent upon your company. So you start with 10, you work back to five, you work back to three, and then you work back to a one year and then possibly even back to a quarter. Maybe it's a 30 day. Maybe there's so many things going on that you got to do a 30 day uh, goal or rock if you're using EOS or uh, whatever that is that you want to work on. Just you got to work your way backwards in order to have an effective growth plan. If you just look at it from the other way. So you're actually going in a chronological way and you say, well, what do I want to accomplish in 30 days? You can get way off track very quickly by accomplishing a 30 day goal, 30 day goal, 30 day goal. And in five years, you're not anywhere where you're wanting to be. You're completely different because you got distracted by something. So it's important to note it's got to go backwards. No, and I think that's good. I think it's it's a good idea to think about it, how it aligns up with, again, what where do you want to be? You yeah. know, and I think there's two ways to look at that. I um, I have 
done my work backwards thing amazingly. And I've also done that where I over-organize it and go too in detail. And I have no idea what I'm doing in 9.5 <laughs> years. You know what I mean? What, so what, what I do was that one measurable and achievable. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Um, so, I mean, I do, I do want to say, you know, for the people that are like, I have no idea, you know, what I'm going to be doing in five years. That's fine. Like if you close your eyes and you're like, okay, well, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my business to look like? Put that right. It doesn't have to be in super, you know, specific detail right now. Your things you're working on now needs to be smart, right? Specific, measurable. But your long-term goals, you just need to make sure that you're going in the right direction, that the compass is pointing the right way. You know, as long as you stay on track, you know, even if some things change along the way a little bit, it's fine. As long as it's not a distraction, you're just adapting. And I think those are you know, we have to kind of differentiate what those those things mean because they can be there could be a fine line sometimes between them. Oh, 100%. Let me go back to the illustration of leaving Europe for the Americas. I mean, you can have a goal to set out to land in Boston and end up in uh, Key West, but you're still in the Americas, right? I mean, you're still yeah. headed toward that direction, but because of some adjustments and things, you ended up down south rather than up in Boston. So yeah, maybe are, there was a storm. You had to go around maybe, it. Or, yeah, maybe you yeah. ended up in uh, Charleston. I don't know. I mean, like Absolutely. there's a whole coast there that's hundreds of miles long. But yeah, I mean, like there's definitely ways to be able to look at that and say, okay, Yes, I'm headed to the Americas. That's my 10-year vision. But if I end up in the South or in the North, that really doesn't matter. And you start to work backwards. And then that's where, you, like you just said, it's the adaptability because economics changed or uh, people changed or partnerships changed or whatever changed allowed you to make that adjustment, but you're still in the Americas. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you a good example. I have a client who, when they started their business, they were single with no kids. Now they're married with three kids. Their plan has changed a lot. Of a lot. Difference there. <laughs> <laughs> that, their plans have changed a lot, right? If they're trying to stay on that same trek that they had when they first started, that's not going to work out. So, I mean, I think it's important to kind of think about, yes, it, it's great to have these, you know, 10, 5, 3. You need to have them so you know, where are you going? Are you going to America? Are you going to Canada? Are you going to Italy? You're like, you need to know what, what direction you're sailing using Tim's analogy. But it's okay if, like, you're part of the way there, you decide, you know what, I don't think I want to go to Italy now. I think Canada is where I want to go. So it's fine to go ahead and, you know, replot your course. That's, I think that's a huge part of, you know, just again, adapting and changing as things go on. The key is that you have to have, you know, those goals set, and then you have to develop strategies and tactics that keep to you accomplish. in alignment.
And I think that's huge. And you also want to create an action plan. So you've got your goals and your strategies and your tactics in place. So then you need to create an action plan. So you need to break that down into manageable steps and assign responsibilities and set timelines. Yes. And that's also why we set the boundaries on what we want to do, because I don't want to call anybody. <laughs> I don't want to call. You hand me a list of me to call people. It's not going to be like measurable or achievable or relevant. <laughs> None of those things. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and I think that, you know, during these things, you need to think about, again, when you're assigning responsibilities, what is that? person number one capable of what are they okay with because again tim if you're like here maria i've got two thousand names i need you to call them this week uh, it's not going to happen i love you but it's not going to happen so it's like you need to think about you know what's their personality are they great with people on the phone or would that would that same person be better spent you know doing another task i'll give you an example um one of the first jobs kind of in the marketing world that i have was for a promotional product company. And one of the assignments that we were supposed to do is we had a call log, right? We had a call log and we were supposed to make X amount of calls to be able to try to sell these promotional products. I could not do it. Now I can sell stuff all day long. I'm great at sales. I really actually am, but I cannot call somebody. I have no idea who they are. What do they like? What do they hate? What do they need? What do they want? And try to sell them on something I don't even know if they need. Or, or want or like anything, right? So I could not do it. So my first week there, I got called into the office. My manager's name was Joel and he probably hated me, but he's like, hey, Maria, I noticed that you're not logging any of your calls. And I'm like, it's really funny, Joel, because I'm not making any calls. And so we ended up having this discussion where I pretty much told him, I was like, listen, I can go out and sell, but I need to go out and network. I need to see people face to face. When I got the, well, we've not done that. This is how we've done this for 25 years. I said, well, let me try it. I was like, I'm completely commissioned. So what do you have to lose? I'm going out and doing it on my own time, right? So either I make you some money or I don't make you some money. So he ended up agreeing and I was able to get so many sales, right? Because I was able to do it my way within my own 
you know, boundaries within, within my own talents. And so he was able to start looking at some of these things differently and assign the responsibilities different. He gave options then. You can go out and network, you can make phone calls, you can do emails, whatever, right? And I think that's huge to think about because I think sometimes, again, we can have these th siloed thought processes that, well, we started our business, we've done it like this for all these years, but don't realize that, again, people's personalities are different. Again, the market is changing. People expect more when they're getting sold to now. They expect way more. Absolutely. Well, and I think a, a, an example of that kind of in the world right now is, is during COVID, a lot of employees had to go home to work, right? And and that kind of opened up this space in a lot of industries and within a lot of companies that they had never even considered as a potential for their company. And there's been some good and bad. If you kind of read a lot of the things, there's some good and bad going on with that right now where they're starting to kind of readjust and think about, hmm, is this a good idea for my company or not? But I think it comes back to a couple of things. You mentioned should, that word with accountability. This is how accountability should work. So I think that's a very key word to think about because are you holding your employees that are working from home accountable to reach their goals? Are you micromanaging instead of holding them accountable? Are you setting goals with them? Do they know what they're supposed to be doing from that home basis? Because, you know, some of the things that I've seen, again, just kind of coming across the wire and different things that I've read is that they're, they're, they've seen, some companies have seen some very positive things and some companies have seen some very negative things and they're reassessing if they're even going to allow this. And it makes me wonder, how can these businesses over here say, I have seen exponential growth and a reduction in cost and all these things. And, you know, these over here are saying this was like the worst decision I ever made. Like, what's the difference there? Hmm. And it has to go both ways. 
Absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, especially if you have a team of people and you're deciding to create this growth plan, you need to have conversations with your team, you know, as a team, as a group and one-on-one to get, again, their, you know, side, their, um, you know, perspective on what are some things that can be done differently? What can we do, you know, more of, less of to make this growth plan a success? Because, you know, if again, there's that trust on both sides, if there's that good company culture, you know, your team member, if they feel like they're being heard, and again, like Tim mentioned earlier, that they can talk about anything without any negative consequence, that is invaluable. If you can have that perspective, that kind of boots on the ground perspective on another, you know, what's going on in another, you know, side of your company that can make, you know, a huge difference in the success of any type of growth plan. I was thinking of a real example, and this may be something, this was going around on Facebook for a while. Uh, under your oven, like that drawer under your oven, I it wasn't that long ago that I found out that was not for storing like your baking sheets. I have me too. And so I just like literally every house I've ever moved into my entire adult existence, where did Maria's pans go straight away there? And then I seen something one day where it's a warmer where you can put something that's already done where other things are cooking. And my whole, my whole world was like, my whole life is a lie. Because again, why was I storing my pans there? Because everybody ever that I'd ever seen stored their pans there. But I think maybe the first person, at least in my family, that started it was because they didn't have anywhere else to put their pants. I don't really know why. Or maybe it stopped working as a warmer. I have no idea. But every other person since then has done that. And it was just kind of like an aha moment where I'm like, wait. And I literally start looking at the model of my oven because I'm like, maybe it's just like some ovens. And nope, it's pretty much all of them. You've got it. <laughs> 